Sama awoke to find himself facing the sky, staring at the ever-present ash cloud blocking out the sun directly above. Less than before, now only allowing thin bands of light to shine through in some places, creating a perpetual dusk stretching out in all directions. Noticing the board he was lying on, the sea gently swayed in a rolling motion as he looked around to see only Rowan clutching to the side. Tired, weak, and with a deep thirst he had never felt before, he spoke to his friend. Where are we? Rowan replied, I don't know, we were drifting all day and night. We could be anywhere. I haven't seen any others. We might be the only ones. Sam had turned his gaze upwards without even a word to Rowan. It was more than he needed to know, yet not enough to answer his questions. What now, he thought to himself, after so much loss, so much destruction. What to do but wait for death? He was defeated, physically, emotionally, and any hope he had was washed away into the sea making his peace as it was not enough to go on. Something still lingered inside him. Something deep in his soul was casting a doubt at the thought of death. Burning like a small flame, however small, ready to ignite his sense of purpose. He couldn't understand what it was. Just a reason to go on. Never understood by anyone who has never felt it but to the few who have, impossible to ignore. Sam and Rowan drifted for days, trying to forget the ever-present thirst as they watched, hoping for any signs of another ship or land, anything to save them from the unforgiving sea. Both delirious. They thought they heard a voice in the distance. Looking up toward the rising morning sun and holding up one hand to shade their squinting eyes, they thought they could see the silhouette of a ship. Rowan immediately recognized the design, calling out for help. A single crew member spotted the two desperate men and signaled to his captain. The ship dropped its sail and began rowing toward them. Sama, Rowan smiled. Not today. Sama returned the smile with a glimmer of relief in his eyes. He knew right then he would fulfill his promise he made to his sister. Once aboard, they found themselves being given a jug of water and some stale bread, to which they eagerly received, thanking their rescuers before drinking and eating all they could, as quickly as they could. After their stomachs were full, the captain of the ship approached and began asking questions as the entire crew of over a hundred men looked on in silence to hear their every word. My name is Dyrus. I'm the captain of this ship. Dyrus was a middle-aged man, with a shaved head, partially covered by a red cloth tied just above his ears, and a short, thick brown beard covering most of his face. The man was taller than any other crew member, yet skinny, a trait that seemed to be shared by the older men of the sea. Rowan decided to speak for the two of them, Sama being cautious, not recognizing the ship. My name is Rowan. This is Sama. We're scribes. He's from the King Astoran. I am cousin and royal scribe of the King Mersili. Dyrus continued his questions as Rowan answered, telling them of their story. Everything from the mountain, the wave, 
even the madness of the people on the island. The crew began to tell their own stories amongst themselves, interrupting Dyrus. There seemed to be a common question of what happened, but no one had an answer. Stories came from everyone. Some true, some rumor. But everyone described the ash cloud and the wave. The noise on the ship was becoming too loud for Dyrus to hear Rowan. Quiet, he ordered. Silence immediately followed, allowing the two men to finish their conversation. Rowan, why does your friend choose not to speak? This caused Sam to adjust his posture nervously, waiting for the man to begin asking him questions that he didn't have the answers to. Only those which Rowan had already answered. His mind raced, wondering why this captain was being so blunt, before Dyrus himself broke into a smile and reached down, resting a hand on Sama's shoulder. Don't worry, Sama. We're from Troy, and you're welcome on my ship. I'm trying to understand what happened. We ourselves were in port at Batara, on the far side of Rhodes. The wave passed us by. Others we've been finding were not as fortunate. The coastal cities have been washed into the sea. Every island from here to Canossus is barren. Not even a tree stands, only devastation. You can imagine our shock at finding the two of you drifting in the open sea, alive. Salmon nodded before asking his own questions. Are there any others? What of Canossus? The questions continued except for those of his home island. An obvious fate. It was no more. No one could have survived. We haven't been to Canossus. And as for others, none alive. Dyrus replied before lowering his head and turning to allow the men to rest. Captain! There, a voice called out from the front of the ship. A young man by the name of Baros, with sunburnt skin and a strange haircut, where only a ridge of long hair remained on the top of his head, running from his forehead to neck. Young and overly eager, without ever thinking before acting, as all young men do. He was attempting to get Dyrus's attention, who loved ignoring the young man, seeing how loud he could become. It was a bit of a game the crew would play with Baros, who himself never got the joke. They would say to him, The captain is deaf, speak louder. To which Dyrus would only laugh under his breath, allowing him to make a fool of himself, much to the enjoyment of the crew. But this time Dyrus acknowledged him, and ordered the crew to beach the ship, next to what seemed like an abandoned fishing village, nestled in a cove facing eastward, and surrounded by a steep ridge on the other three sides. Not a trace of anyone ever being there. They thought it was an older village that had been abandoned, or one of the few not hit by the wave. As soon as the ship's hull bottomed out on the sandy beach, Baros leapt out onto the sand, turning to catch a rope thrown out by one of the crew. Running up to the tree line, he tied the rope around the large pine, then waited for the rest of the crew to follow. Sam and Rowan leapt out of the ship, standing on the beach, unsure of what to do. They looked at Dyrus for direction, but none was offered, as the old man didn't expect any to be needed. The crew searched the damaged houses for anything they could bring back to the ship. The few that remained were all similar in size and shape, 
a single room, some with the odd piece of furniture, others empty. Darius thought to himself, whoever inhabited this village had not been here for years. The wave didn't seem to have reached this place. This seems to be a good place to camp for the night and stretch our sea legs. After finding death everywhere, they had sailed. Now he could see the effect finding the two strangers had on his crew, and now a village. It might be abandoned, but at least there weren't any more dead. The crew went about setting up camp, using the houses and pitching tents. The speed at which they set up impressed Sama, as he watched, trying not to get in their way. Within an hour, they had set up what seemed to be a makeshift town complete with tents, campfires, and even a kitchen mess, where two of them were already busy cooking. Even the tents had a drainage ditch around them in case it rained. These men had done this numerous times. Sleeping on a cramped ship becomes redundant, and any chance they had to sleep on dry land was not wasted. One of the men in the mess tent yelled out something that Sama couldn't recognize, and the crew immediately began forming a line, ready to receive their meal. Rowan stood at the end of the line. Sama, waiting for an invitation? The men in the line laughed as Sama stood there, with his mind off in another world. Then, shaking his head, he walked over to join Rowan. The two men in front of Rowan, both their faces and bodies worn from years of sailing, turned around to look at Sama. One was an older man, still in very good shape, with visible scars on his face that Sama did not dare inquire about. The other was very tall. Still young, perhaps in his mid-twenties, it was difficult to know with the long hair and beard. The man had no scars, except for a few lines on his back and arms, those from a whip. Sama concluded he was a slave or convict at some point. After all the two of you have been through, please, you're more than welcome. We're sailors. Manners are not a strong suit. Sama could see he was beginning to become accepted by the crew as everyone began passing jokes and mock insults up and down the line, being sure to include the two diplomats, of course. The mood was lightening by the second, raising their spirits. Perhaps the next day would bring more good news for everyone. The line moved along until Rowan and Sama reached the mess table without any plates in their hands. The crew each had their own, and the two young men, never giving it a second thought, now wondered, looking at each other. The mess servers were each holding a spoonful, ready to drop them in their bowls, as they stood in a long pause with empty hands. The other man in the mess tent rolled his eyes as the three men placed empty wine jugs on the table. Sorry, boys, that's all we have. Sam and Rowan shrugged. After all, food was food and the server dropped a spoonful of what seemed like stew into their dinner jugs before they made their way over to sit with the rest of the crew, now surrounding a large fire on the beach. So tell us what you did to anger the gods, one of the men asked bluntly before Sama even sat down. I don't know. We barely escaped with our lives and survived everything. Now here. The gods aren't angry if they want us alive. Why would they cause this? Everyone around the fire began repeating their stories, rumors and hearsay they had heard, twisting and adding to them, feeding off each other in an attempt to make sense of everything. I heard the mountains split the earth in two. I heard the wave made it to the land of the pharaohs, washing away the pyramids. 
The sky will never rain again. It's poisoned. Sam and Rowan sat quietly, listening to all the stories, not sure what to believe. Some seemed too preposterous, while others made sense. Until one that Sam heard made him think. I heard the wave washed away the palace of King Astoran. Sam interrupted. Where did you hear that story? From whom? His question was met with silence, only broken after a long pause. I heard it from another sailor days ago, before leaving port. He claimed to be from Canossus. Said the wave destroyed the palace. He went inland, boarded a ship on the south coast, and made his way east. That's all I know. He was an islander such as yourself. I could see it in his eyes. He was only speaking truth. Thank you. I'm just questioning. Right now, anything you've heard is welcome. The man nodded, realizing he'd hit a nerve with his story. Emotions were running high within the group, as they'd all been trying to ignore them the past few days, focusing on their duties. Now with the first rest they've had since embarking, it was impossible for everyone to keep it all bottled up. The stories and rumor went around the group, with Sama sitting silent, asking all sorts of questions in his mind. Is it true? Canossus destroyed? If King Astoran is dead, what now is his purpose? They continued racing around in his head throughout the night, only to be subdued by the men passing around a jug of wine. Not the best, but not the worst he'd ever tasted, at least as numbed his mind. Those thoughts were to wait until the morning. He took comfort in the sailors telling old stories about what they had seen and done over the years, a welcome escape. Faistus, remember when we took you to that whorehouse in Sinua? Yes. A man across the fire answered in annoyance, as a few others looked on attempting to hide the smiles on their faces. We were in a port for not even an hour, and a few of us decided to go to the grandest whorehouse, that side of the straits. The man was trying to be overly sarcastic, a joke only the older sailors understood. Faces, of course, joined us, and being the ignorant farm boy that he is, almost got us all thrown out. Each of us picked a woman, then we look over to see him talking to one. They must have talked forever. Then she slaps him and walks away. The bodyguard stood there looking at us. We were all sitting shocked. I mean, what did he say? So I talked to them, the woman included, and we all pissed ourselves laughing. Faistus, that man right there, had a month's worth of pay in his pocket and couldn't even get laid in a whorehouse. They don't need to hear this story, Aeneas. It gets older every time you do. Oh, yes, I do, Faistus. You see, this man had no idea what a whorehouse was. He'd been talking to this woman and was surprised she was showing interest in him. Then she discusses the price. It took a while for it to clue in, but then he blurts it out. Faistus sat silent, ignoring everyone. When he finally realized what went on there, he says to her, I'm not paying for that. 
If anything, you should be paying me. I'm much more attractive than any man here, including my shipmates. Everyone around the fire burst out laughing except for Faistus. And I still stand by that. All of you ugly bastards are privileged to be sailing with such a man as myself. Two of the men beside patted him on the shoulders, trying not to fall over themselves. The stories continued throughout the night, with wine being passed around and everyone relaxing, forgetting the disaster that had been witnessed the past few days. Morning sun finding a hole in the ash cloud above and shining through the open tent under Rowan's back was becoming too hot to ignore. As he got up out of the tent to see the crew had already begun lining up at the mess tent for breakfast. The young islander struggled to open his eyes, allowing the sunlight to shine through, almost blinding him. Squinting and holding his arm up to block out the sun, he slowly became accustomed to the light, only to be taken aback by the disorienting headache that followed a night of drinking. What do you think they want, sir? A sailor asked Dyrus, who was standing on the open beach, looking inland at a small group of men occupying a ridge in the distance. Watching the men intently, he answered the sailor without turning his head, doing his best to hide the tension in his voice and not worry the sailor. I don't know. Maybe this is their village. Tell the men to start packing slowly. No need to alarm our audience. Another man on a horse crested the ridge, joining the others, wearing a robe of armor made entirely of small overlapping plates which covered his entire body, glinting in one of the beams of morning sunlight protruding from the ash. His helmet covered his entire face except for his eyes, with long points running from the chin down to his chest. A flat brush of horsehair rose up out of the top, while another longer one dangled down the back in a braid. Attached to his side was a thin pole, with a grouping of flags flapping in the wind. Dyrus couldn't make out the markings as he kept his gaze on the ridge. The breeze straightened out the flag for a moment, revealing the emblems and causing the hairs on Dyrus's neck to rise. As soon as he recognized them, Another horseman crested the ridge, then another, and another. Soon they were joined by more men on foot. Before long, the entire ridge seemed like a wall of men and horses, but they just stood there, watching the sailors slowly pack up their camp, watching, showing no signs of movement, as if they were waiting for something. The sailors... Aware of what captured Dyrus's attention, finished packing. And it was not until the last man was aboard did they call up for their captain to join them. Raising his arm, Dyrus held up his hand and waved to the man in the armor, laughing under his breath, before turning to run to his ship. Taking only steps into the water, he reached towards Barros, who had a hand waiting. Using all his strength to pull his captain over onto the deck, and quickly realizing the old man didn't weigh as much as the other man, he found himself lying on the deck, pinned down by Dyrus. After an awkward moment, the two men stood up to see an arrow fly past their heads, embedding itself into the mast. They looked toward the shore to see a large group of archers, loading their bows and taking aim at their ship. The crew went about dropping their oars, but before they realized the danger, a volley of arrows rained down onto the deck, 
killing three men and wounding 20 others. The rest of the crew rode, only stopping to hold up their shields as each volley of arrows from the beach became less and less dangerous, the distance too great for the archers to make. Dyrus focused his gaze on the ridge and the armored horseman, who raised his own hand, waving back at the captain, and probably laughing under his own breath, thinking to himself, standing on deck, Cyrus quickly realized the entire stare-down had been a ruse to get the archers into position. It was not the first time he'd been fooled by the armored horseman. He got lucky, and he knew it. Next time, he thought to himself, they may not be so. The horsemen in armor. If only the crew knew his story, Dyrus thought, looking up at the ridge now in the distance. Still standing there motionless. One day he thought to himself. One day he will get his chance and I will gut him. Slipping out the words under his breath. Wait until we get to Atusa. Dyrus didn't notice a young islander Sama within earshot. Who heard every word paying careful attention. He obviously knew of the armored horsemen. As his crew didn't. Only the two men themselves knew of their animosity. But much to their own ignorance, the secret was beginning to reveal itself. Now a young man, a stranger with no home, with no direction in his life, was beginning to take notice. And that to any man in his position, with his history, was dangerous. Sir, what do we do now? Barrows yelled from across the deck. Sir, we have wounded... Our destination. Dyrus's attention now focused on the deck and the injured men laying before him. Some wounds fatal and others easily healed in a proper port city. But they were far from any such destination. The few men with fatal injuries were already as good as dead. The others he reasoned to himself with cold logic were about to become a liability. Eating extra rations unable to row, now useless in his mind. Even after years of serving under him, those men now didn't serve a purpose. He began planning, something he was accustomed to. What to do, he thought in his mind. Those men weighed down and slowed the ship. Speed was of the essence, as they were now being tracked. Of course, he could always head out into open water, but nothing was there. They needed to get to a port. A friendly port. And the only one within reach was along the coast. A far distance, but still the only one. He had to get there before the armored horseman. Baros, throw our unneeded weight into the sea. Sir? What weight? Aeneas and Faistus were the first to understand the orders and began picking up the wounded, throwing them off the deck. Barrow stood there, not believing what he was witnessing. The cries of the wounded were repeated by each and every one as they were dragged to the edge of the deck before being thrown into the sea. A few objected before finding Dyrus and the others had them join their wounded shipmates. Brothers, no more. 
Words heard coming from Aeneas's mouth as he was throwing off the last man. Sam and Rowan looked on in horror, unsure of why they were still on board. They didn't know how to row and didn't serve any purpose, yet they remained. They came to the realization that they were deemed valuable, at first thought due to their mission. The king of Troy was sure to order every one of his subjects safe passage in his lands and on his ships. But how could Dyrus order such a thing? A man serving under his king without morals. Then it came to them. He may have come from Troy. Now a man looking to make his fortune at any cost. The lowest and most detestable of all men. Pirates. Mm -hmm.